This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Pope and Young Podcast. I'm Jason Roundsville. I'm joined today by my co-host, Dylan Ray, and we have very special guests. We have one of the founding members of the Pope and Young Club on with us today, Harv Evers. Harv, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to hear all about uh, all about your experience with the club and and I just it's 60 years. Can you believe it? I I can barely believe that, uh, Jason. But uh, you young men will find that time flies exceedingly fast, and the older you get, guys, the faster it flies. So you all most certainly need to enjoy your place in life relative uh, to the Pope and Young Club, specifically to your place in life with the Pope and Young Club, Jason and Dylan. Absolutely. Well, well, Harv, th- thanks for being here. I, I know I'm excited. Dylan and I have been talking. He's really excited. Uh, can you give us just a, like, take us back to 60 years ago or, or even just a little bit before when this club, when you guys were talking about this club and getting it started, tell us about that time and, and how that was going for you. Because I think a lot of folks today have a hard time understanding that there was a time in in North America without a bow season. So take us back there to kind of what you guys were thinking when you put Pope and Young together. 
Well, back in the mid to late 50s, I had the, I'll just use a little of my personal involvement in history. I was a young engineer working in the Seattle, Washington area. I resided from about 1957 to the spring, summer of 1960 in, in the Seattle area. I, I loafed uh, at a, a local, nice, traditional archery shop owned by a man named Glenn St. Charles at Des Moines, Washington. On a Friday evening, Saturday afternoon, there would be five or six, seven, eight guys shooting our recurves there at Glenn's place. And uh, during that period of time, Glenn set us down. Glenn had a light of for, a lot of foresight and could see the future demands if there was going to be a future in bow hunting. At that time in the mid to late 50s, not all uh, Western states allowed big game to be with a bow and arrow, and most certainly there were no uh, prescribed hunting season. Glenn felt that the only thing that uh, 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 game and fish, I wouldn't say the only thing, but one of the crucial elements in a, um, a, a game and fish's uh, department and their staff's considerations was records of, of animals taking cap efficiency capability. So Glenn felt that if we were going to influence these western uh, states where all the uh, big game hunting at that time pretty well prevailed, we would have to develop some method of, uh, of record keeping. The National Field Archery Association had a big game session section at that time in the late 50s, and Glenn was the president of, uh, of that division of NFAA or that segment of NFA. He felt that we needed to uh, get a separate self-sustaining organization paralleling Boone and Crockett of the gun hunting world. So Glenn was the guiding light, and Glenn St. Charles is, is, and I emphasize the word is, is the founder of the Pope and Young Club. Myself, I was blessed to loaf around and be a part of a group of men who you might say were Glenn's sounding boards. We felt that a separate organization, similar uh, to Boone and Crockett, Boone and Crockett, should be uh, established and go forward uh, with record-keeping of bokehs. And so the rest is sort of a uh, uh, of a success of a going forward in a series of events. Uh, we we are we were able to uh, get Boone and Crockett to allow us. The main thing is is the records, so that uh, we could have a, a, a uniform method of measuring animals taken with bow and arrow of the same uh, measuring system that Boone and Crockett employed. They allowed us graciously to use their uh, farms and their different for different the different species. As 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 life proceeded and went forward uh, uh, in 1961, uh, uh, the Pope and Young Club uh, was formally uh, uh, incorporated in the state of Washington. Saxton Pope and and Young, uh, who were two, as everyone knows, two uh, in the 1930s and and or so were 
I wear uh, icons and, and big game hunting in Africa and the United States with, with archery equipment. It was decided by Glenn and his little band of followers that we would use uh, Art Young and Saxton Pope as the mentors for uh, this new organization. Again, I repeat, it was formally installed or formally incorporated in 1961. At that time, Glenn had, uh, I returned to Missouri in the spring of 60. I'm proud to say that, uh, Glenn at that time appointed a national archery, uh, a national advisory board to the so-called, to the, uh, uh, the, fledgling Pope and Young Club to lead it forward. The first man on that list of uh, members that Glenn appointed was a man by the name uh, of Fred Bear of Grayling, Michigan. The second guy on that published list was a man by the name of Harvard Ebers from Missouri. So I've always been very proud that Glenn uh, allowed me to be on that first board of advisors. We were in essence the first advisory board to the PNY. Glenn also had uh, a part of the original group of advisors. Uh, ultimately, they become the first board of directors. Over the years, uh, Jason and, and, and Dylan, the uh, different conventions were, you know, the, well, first off, let's say the, how did we keep uh, the records of the game kills? Well, uh, Glenn set up a uh, a methodology of, of maze, started having measures appointed around the uh, United States and more specifically in the western states. Entries started to come in and they almost overwhelmed poor Glenn St. Charles. The earliest published records was the 19, let's see, being the 1964 and then later the 1965, a big two by three pictorial listing all the different categories of animals and the hunters and their um, measurements uh, are on these pictorials. And then I believe it was 1971 that the first, I'm trying to think, yes, around approximately 71, guys, that the first formal hardbound record book was was, uh, uh, was authored and all the records were in that. And the book was then sold throughout the membership and interested parties. Since then, as both of you know, I believe we've had the, the last uh, records book was the ninth edition. So we've had nine major editions of the record of the records. The uh, records were getting so voluptuous, so large that I know even my days when I was on the uh, board, why uh, it was almost impossible to encompass all the white tails and black bears and plus the other 20 some odd species under one uh, one cover uh, if i may uh, i was i'm i've been blessed and privileged i served in some capacity on the board of directors of the pope and young clubs for some 40 years of my life i was for 30 wow. years membership chairman for 30 years and then prior to that Glenn had me as an advisor in certain areas on the board for about 10 years. I retired in 1975 and then you young, I mean 19, I mean I'm sorry, in 2005 Glenn appointed me membership chairman in 1975 so 
in 2005 uh, at one of our conventions at Bass Pro in Springfield, Missouri. I, I retired, and then the rest is history. You young men have done a great job of taking over uh, after Dougherty and Asbell, and then uh, Atwood, men right. like that. And uh, oh, uh, then Mr. James was president for a period of time. Oh, uh, Randy Byers, who uh, died very early in life, was a, a, an excellent president. So that is sort of how the club, a young man, uh, uh, developed uh, out of a need to uh, be able to uh, uh, specifically to be allowed to bow hunt in the western states in the, le- uh, in the late 50s and early 60s. That's, oh, yeah, like I said, I don't think most people today, Harv, realize how much effort you guys put in to get what we take for granted these days. You know, I, as a 30-some-year bow hunter, I just, until I came on with Pope and Young, I didn't really understand how much, you know, I knew what Pope and Young was about a little bit, but I didn't realize the origins and how critical the organization was just in, in founding seasons all across, you know, the West and across the country. It, it's true that I think every bow hunter out there deserves a, or, you know, owes, owes the PNY a, a, a nice thank you letter anyway for, for giving us a sport that we all love. How did it feel to to be on a list with with names like Fred Bear? I mean, that, that's just iconic. You know, when you think of of archery, I mean, Fred Bear is is you know the iconic name that you would think of. How did how did it feel to be on a list with somebody like that? Well, I I, I could honestly say that I, I just I've been a an, an old. Uh, self-contained, confident man in my own skin. See, I grew up with with Bear and St. Charles and the Darteries and those guys when uh, the world, uh, where they weren't so famous. You know, Fred Bear was just a man that whittled out a damn bow and arrow. (laughs) And I was on the board with him. I think Bear and I were on the board, or I was on the board, let's say, with Bear. In the late 70s, I'd, I, I knew the man real well. I never had the privilege of hunting with him. But Bear was just an ordinary uh, a part of, of the uh, environment back in the 60s and 70s, uh, Jason. So I, I never gave it a lot of thought that this is, is the next, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Mantle Hall of Fame uh, uh, guy in the world. It was just a man we all respected, and and Bear uh, Bear really brought uh, bow hunting to the general public with his uh, uh, with his uh, uh, movies. You follow what I'm saying? Say with his yeah. re- he was the first man. You know all the uh, renowned hunters like Tom Miranda and all the men of Miranda's uh, uh, state of the art today, have their photographer with him, and all of the uh, outdoor channels, sportsman's channels, we're just blessed with all of that uh, uh, information and reviews of exotic animals. Bear was the man that first shared those experiences in, in British Columbia or his African hunts uh, with the general, uh, with the ordinary bow hunter here in North America. 
I remember a, a fun thing. Uh, one of our uh, classic board members, uh, I don't know if you two gentlemen know him well or have heard of him, and you may have heard of him, Billy Ellis, a banker buddy of mine down in Mississippi. Well, uh, uh, Billy uh, was a, was a, is an interesting fellow, and a, a, a barn in the wool. He still fights the Confederate uh the Union, uh, the, the, he still fights the Union soldiers. He's <laughs> he's still fighting the Civil War. Oh, Ellis is. Well, anyway, he invited Bear and me to be the guest speakers at the uh, Mississippi uh, bow hunting convention, the state convention. I'd say it was in the early around eighty or eighty one. So uh, I asked Billy if I could go first, uh, and uh, to to the respect I have for Bear, so. I got up and uh, uh, said, uh, my name is Harv Ebers. I have uh, basically said, mumbled two or three words and, and said, I'd like to introduce uh, Fred Bear. And I sat down. I sure in the hell wasn't going to uh, go into big <laughs> and, and, and uh, make a, a statement when, when the, at that time in the 80s, here was this icon, Fred Bear, that, that they really wanted to listen to. So that was my relationship with Bear. We went out after that uh, evening meal and, and speech. Bear and I and Billy went out and, and, and had a beer or two. And then, uh, and I, to this day, I have, a, uh, he had just gotten back from Africa a, a, few, a short time before that. And he sat down and signed uh, three or four pictures of his lion kill. Let's see, two or three African kills to Harveybers. And I've got them framed guys and on my, uh, trophy room wall to this day that Fred Bear gave me a, a signed picture. So uh, uh, my life with Bear was of great respect, uh, Jason, if you ask me. Well, now here's a question for you. Who who was the better bow shop between you and Fred Bear and Glen St. Charles? Oh, hell, I could outshoot them two assholes any day of the week. <laughs> and and uh, Dalen seen me uh, shoot a bow. Uh, uh, I shoot pretty decent, but I I could always outshoot them, even in in the old days. Very nice. So, so there, uh, I'm not going to bow bow to those two turkeys uh, <laughs> at, at all when it comes to shooting. And you, Dalen, you you can vouch for that. You've seen me shoot, so there. Yes, sir. I and have. Uh, and also, Dylan, you'll tell. Uh, uh, Jason, what a great coach I am too. See, I'm I'm proud of being a coach too, Jason. So there. Yeah, I, I heard you teaching. <laughs> so, so hey, we're going to see in Reno exactly how good you are as a coach. Hey, well, if, if you can get me I, on target, Harv, you're better than most, my friend. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you did a good job here uh, uh, with that old sixty-year-old Harvey bow, but I will—I won't be able to shoot, and and I'm unhappy about it at, at Reno, Jason. Because we're, Judy and I are going to fly, and, and, and if you fly with your wife, I'm going to have to borrow money from the bank to pay for all the excess luggage as it is. Nevertheless, a big old heavy boat case and arrows and everything. So. Now, now, Jason, I did get to shoot a bow that, that Harv made himself, and that was that was quite a pleasure to get to shoot. That was fun. Very nice. Who's the best shot between you two? Oh, uh, absolutely, uh, uh, Dylan. Dylan can Dylan can shoot. I don't no. see it. I'll give him. He can shoot, though. I don't. He was shooting a recurve, and I was shooting an old hybrid thing. 
understand that. I'm because of my age and shoulders. I'm uh, I have to shoot. Uh, and you don't want to get in a shooting match. I seen him shoot out to twenty yards, and Dylan can shoot. I'll I'll say that. But anyway, back to the the club in Bear. Bear uh, probably is the most respected. Uh, uh, have patience. Uh, icon uh, in the world over the last 60 some odd years of bow hunting gentlemen there's only one fred bear and there's only one glenn st charles there's a a, a lot of men uh, uh i i think uh, i knew him well a lot of guys didn't know him as well as i did jim dartry would be in the league of uh, fred bear and a glenn st charles all for different reasons i mean st charles of course his uh, a great uh, contribution to bow hunting was the uh, 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 development of the uh, Pope and Young Club and the record system. That was Glenn's uh, and, and and the perpetuation of the ethics of bow hunting was Glenn St. Charles' uh, uh, crown. Uh, Bear, Fred Bear's crown was he put the uh, opportunity just like uh, Ford did with the uh, Model T car, Fred Bear put the opportunity for any aspiring young man or older person to be able to bow hunt and provided the equipment for, for that. Uh, you see, that was a made contribution. Dordry was a great satirical uh, uh, author, uh, Jim Dordry was. As far as I'm concerned, a lot of people don't know who Jim Dordry was. Everybody knows who. St. Charles and Bear was, but Dordry was is, uh, is deserving of be up right up there with Bear and St. Charles in my world. Okay, he's just not known the last 20, 20 30 years. There was of, of all the the bow hunters that you've been around for the last sixty years. Who, who would make up your dream team? You could pick any. Any three bow hunters of all the ones you've known, who would be on your dream team? Well, uh, I, I two I can easily tell you two of them, uh, and, and uh, you you know uh, uh, it'd be Kurt Evers and Lane Evers. They're two outstanding young men. I, I don't give a damn whether you can say, well, Harv, they're your sons. I've hunted with them uh, all over from uh, Newfoundland, British Columbia, all over the United States. They're both. Uh, uh, young men, just like you two men, in their physical prime, they're quiet men. Uh, uh, of course, we're not Kurt, Kurt's not barking orders to to you, Jason, but uh, <laughs> uh, but, but they're two of my uh, uh, favorite bull hunters. Uh, 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 Fred Asbell also is an icon in the uh, world of of the Pope and Young Club. Of course, Fred was a, a, quite a gentleman and an utter joy. So I'd I'd have to say Lane Evers. Uh, Kurt Evers and uh, Fred Asbell are, are, would be my three that I would enjoy a hunting camp with. There you go. Well, that's pretty good. Got to keep it in. Got to keep it in the family, guys. And then see, the, two two of those three, I can still tell them what to do and can box their ears. They don't think that that I can, but I know damn well I can. Yeah. So that, yeah. So there. So, well, now you got to give us a little story. You got any dirt on some of these potential birds? You got any dirt on Kurt we should know about? Well, uh, of those two boys, well, the, the, the biggest uh, uh, positive of Kurt Evers, as you know, there are some lucky bow hunters 
and and then some unlucky. Kurt Ebers is one of the luckiest bow hunters I have ever been around, and that includes Bear and and, and St. Charles and Dartery. As an example, the famous uh, let's see, Doctor Jack Frost. Uh, uh, when you get old, you can't always remember all your buddies' name. Oh my my. Anyway, Kurt and and myself wound up on a, uh, a Quebec Newfoundland hunt with uh, uh, oh goodness gracious with some of the leading bow hunters uh, that have got all 29 species they've hunted uh, Pakistan and what have you uh, and who's head of our trust fund uh, my land Jason wow. who's the head? Bob Delaney, men like Delaney and Frost, and them were all, all on 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 this uh, big big deal hunt up at up, up in uh, Quebec, Labrador. Nobody did anything but catch fish. The damn migration wasn't on. Uh, Kurt and I and Delaney went with a guide, and this guide spotted an old caribou laying up in the brush. Kurt sneaks in on him, made a nice forty-five yard shot of that. A group of international bow hunters. We spent what eight or ten days there in that camp, and Kurt Evers was the only guy that killed a caribou. That Kurt, if there's one old deer in the woods and there's ten hunters, well, Kurt's going to kill the damn thing. So uh, that that Kurt is one of those lucky hunters. So enough said. There you go. <laughs> well, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. It, 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 it is. However, I will say if you'd asked me one of my uh, what 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 animal I enjoyed a lifetime of hunting, uh, I I would have to say uh, elk. There's no animal that allows the uh, uh, you need the stamina, uh, 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 the uh, persistence. No more elegant animal going than a big old. Uh, uh, six by six or, or a big old heavy five by five. And, and, and I hunted elk for 27 years in a row. And that, if you ask me what animal and it's the most, my legs ought to be worn off clear to my knees. My shoes ought to be, when I put them on in the morning, I've some, been down in so damn many shitholes and crawled my way out at midnight chasing elk. My, it was, I think I told Dylan, my my favorite animal just to absolutely have fun with bow and arrow and and hunt and shoot is a darn old feral hog, and and I'm not a trophy hunter. I I I'll never uh, uh, challenge a Chuck Adams for trophies, but uh, I just like to shoot things. And the first old deer that walks by, I'm going to shoot it with him, and and I and out of out of my old pop up uh, stand. So so there. But hogs are probably Currently, my most favorite animal. Nice. And where do you do your hog hunting? Where do I hog hunt? Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm an engineer, and I know a lot of uh, of our of people in the state of Texas. As you both know, in the southwest corner of Texas is one of I've I've hunted them and killed them in Florida, but primarily uh, a, a Texas. And then the, the the most fun thing. And if you, you young men have got children that you're introducing to bow hunting, you can't beat the cute little javelina. They're, they're not near as wily or as smart as an old feral hog. And, and those two guys, I just love to crawl around, uh, uh, shell corn stripped on an old sendero and, and, and chase those guys. But if I can, Dylan and, and Jason, I will, uh, 
I will expound one of my pet peeves. I just absolutely cringe over the last 10 or 15 years. Every article, every noted bow hunter, every sportsman, guy, they talk about harvesting an animal. That is just my blood boils. I'm a, I come from a farming background. The only damn thing, as far as I'm concerned, that's harvest is, is a cornfield or a wheat field. The damn animals, we shoot them, we kill them, and we eat them. So uh, we kill, <laughs> kill a deer or we kill an elk. So there you no. go. Or we, we get the occasional comment, especially when we post stuff online, that, that there's a the occasional tongue hanging out of the mouth or, or maybe a little bit of blood. And I'm like, well, it's pretty hard to kill something with a bow and not have a little bit of blood out there. <laughs> That's correct, Jason. That's absolutely correct. What do you consider your your best? It doesn't have to be the biggest animal, but what is one of the things that you're the most proud of, some of the animals that you've taken? What would you put on that list? Well, uh, I was blessed. Uh, this is a little bit of, of history, and it's not just because it was my best animal, but uh, in 19, as I've told you, young men, from 1957 to 1960, I resided as an engineer in, in the Pacific Northwest of Seattle. I specifically asked the company that I, I worked for to go to Seattle because I wanted to hunt Alaska. At that time, the frontier uh, of the world and of bow hunting uh, was uh, uh, was uh, Alaska. I could go to, so I got, uh, I, I was able to call, the company sent me to Alaska on a project. I took two weeks off I, in 19, October, late September, October of 19, 59, I killed a real, uh, uh, I notice I said, I said the word killed. I killed a nice barren ground caribou that scored 402 and 5 eighths up uh, out of the, uh, in the Talkeetna's Mount McNeil country called the Nelchina herd. At that same time, St. Charles Bear and, and, uh, their entourage of uh, bow hunters, uh, you've all heard or read uh, Glenn St. Charles's book, Bows, Bows on the Little Delta, a very famous book. Uh, all the people love to have a copy of it in their uh, library. Well, I killed a nice caribou there, and I think it was around the last of uh, uh, September and then the first of October. Uh, at that time, According to St. Charles, that was a, a world record or the biggest caribou taken of record with a bow. Well, a damn guy by the name of Fred Bear a week later or maybe four or five days later killed one bigger. So my claim to fame was that I briefly held a world record for three or four days and the famous Fred Bear usurped my position. <laughs> but the thing I was proud of I did it all on my own. I roamed up and down the Denali Highway, which was an old gravel road. Uh, it is still on the uh, highway list. And if you look up Anchorage, Alaska, and the Denali Highway, with no uh, sleeping bags, no, I was by myself. And uh, uh, I, uh, I was found by uh, Game and Fish. They helped me locate the Nelchina herd. So that was, uh, I was always proud that I was, uh, no outfit, <laughs> no binoculars, no nothing, literally. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, you know, nowadays we uh, uh, have to have a, a great 
set our two-year closing or we can't go to the woods. I think I had an old Pendleton shirt, maybe a light jacket and some old Levi's. And that was about it. And oh, I had made that recurve bow. Remember, Dylan, I showed you that bow hanging on the wall and uh, had an old dozen uh, uh, Fort Alford Cedars arrows with old Super Hillbury broadheads, most worthless broadheads you could ever have on it. And so that, that uh, Jason, is my most favorite hunting story. Okay. Well, that's a good one. You know, not, and, it, and if you have to be upset by somebody or, or if somebody has to knock you off the of the uh, world record drone you know fred bear isn't a bad one to, to claim well, doing that too no and in all frank as uh i found out saint charles teased me about that years later hell at, at that time no one even understood what a world record was please when i say that uh uh, I'd say it with a great degree uh, uh, of giggling and uh, laughing because uh, it probably was years later that Bear told me that, I mean, uh, St. Charles did in, uh, when we were talking. And then I was, I, I uh, had a, um, a, a comfortable relationship. Lynn St. Charles was a, a very aloof uh, man, kept his own counsel. And but I had a, a nice, comfortable relationship for 50 years of my life until his death. But he would, I mean, I'd always get on St. Charles. I said, St. Charles, you wrote a damn, I cussed a little bit, gentlemen. St. Charles, you wrote a damn book uh, about Fred Bear and, and his caribou hunt on the Little Delta. And at that same period of time, old Harvey Evers was over on the Little uh, Denali Highway. Why didn't you write a book about my, so anyway, obviously. St. Charles didn't take those comments too seriously. <laughs> so, what is uh, what's a hunt that you have coming up? Anything on your uh, on your radar coming up for the next year this fall? Well, uh, yes, uh, I've uh, I've been blessed with wonderful friends uh, from the uh, being on the board with, or just men I've met, uh, Dylan and and Jason over the years. One of them is an old-timer in the Pope Young Club, a man by the name of uh, Scott uh, Kelzer. He has a, a handsome young man, girl's age, named Brian Kelzer. Uh, last year, they invited me on a unique mule deer hunt out of uh, in the Buffalo, Wyoming area for, for uh, mule deers. And, and it was nothing I visualized like a beautiful... Um, rolling uh, the, uh, big horn mountains with pine trees and green and everything. Well, they took me on this hunt to be east of, of interstate, uh, do, 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 be interstate 25 and, <laughs> and absolutely the badlands of South Dakota, uh, aren't as rough as this country. And what you did, you would, uh, Put an old mule deer, you'd get up on high vantage points, put an old mule deer to bed in some of them old dry washers, not a tree in sight. He'd be under a bank going to sleep. You'd go, they'd take me clear around and I'd stalk up to that bank and, and, uh, hopefully you, you could get a seven or eight, ten yard shot at, at this nice buck and uh, taking a nap there. And it worked out pretty well last year. They have invited me back this September on that same hunt and it's a unique hunt i've never uh, had a hunt quite like it you, you see what i mean you you just spot your animal and when he at 10 o'clock in the morning when it starts getting hotter than hell in that country and the old animal goes finds him a good shady 
uh, underneath a shady bank, and he he lays there all day. And then I'm assuming in the late afternoon he comes up and starts browsing. But it's a hunt that I had never taken on. That type of a hunt. Most of my hunts have been typical elk or mule deer hunts where you you know and spot and stalk. And so that I've got that coming up, Jason and 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 Dylan here in in September. And then uh, uh, Jack Culpepper, who are buddies of both you guys on the board, he's invited Curtis and I to a trophy whitetail hunt in Junction City, Kansas, in in the mid part of November, and that'll be a, a great trophy hunt uh, with, with on the Culpepper Ranch there in Junction City, uh, Kansas. So that's my thoughts for this. Oh, I'll I'll hunt whitetail and hogs in December. Uh, uh, in Texas, uh, but that's another another deal. Well, those sound like some pretty good opportunities to me. Well, it's it's when you're an old man, uh, it, it's fun to have a lot of buddies that feel sorry for you and invite you to to hunt with them. So I, I'm you a know, blessed old man. Arv, I, I know better than that. I don't think anybody's inviting you because they feel sorry for you. There's, there's <laughs> a uh, there there. There is an awful lot of respect for you in in these circles, sir. Well, thank you. I'm I'm proud of that. If you ask me, my uh, 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 joy of, uh, of of all my relationships with you, young men, and all the guys in the history of the club, it, I've always uh, felt that a person needs to earn respect. It isn't granted. You do you. It isn't a gift that God gives you or your buddies give you you earn the respect as as you go forward and that'd be a good lesson for you two young men respect is earned yes sir and speaking of respect how proud are you that your son is the president of open young right now kurt well i i am very proud of, of kurt uh, for, for two things he uh he he is taken the leg with small legacy the Harveybers and history of Harveybers and the Pope and Young Club, and he's uh, the next generation has gone forward with that legacy, and I'm extremely proud of Kurt because I knew he had, uh, as you know, Jason, the business background uh, to be able to meet today's responsibility of a club, the club, uh, uh, and like uh, a lot of organizations today. Jason, you and, and the board, and uh, you all, I wouldn't say you struggle, but you have a, a daily management, financial management problem problem or, or, or challenge to meet every day to keep the club solvent. The selling of the, uh, the decision to uh, uh, sell the, uh, the old museum property, the old uh, building there. If I may give you a little side caveat, uh, 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 I was one of the, uh, I was on the board, and I'm a graduate civil engineer, professional engineer, and I was one of the two or three guys that uh, that the board had evaluate that building. We bought it uh, for X number of dollars. I felt it because I bought it a good, I don't know, 25 years ago or so. I felt it was a good, uh, we bought it for 50 cents on the dollar. I felt being next to Rochester, Minnesota, someday we would probably move the Pope and Young Club Museum and the office to a place like uh, Bass Pro in Springfield, Missouri. 
for maximum opportunities for people to see it, and we could always sell it with a great appreciation. Well, as you know, uh, uh, Jason, we probably doubled or, or a little more than doubled the money today on the sale of it over what we give for it. But back to Kurt Evers. So uh, Kurt uh, is the young man that uh, had the responsibilities and does to this day in his professional life to handle those type of negotiations. I was privy to watch him uh, uh, and a real major contributor in the uh, moving of the museum to uh, Springfield, Missouri and Bass Pro was uh, Warren Strickland. Strickland was a personal friend of Johnny Morris. Strickland worked with Kurt and two or three of the board members that you know, J Jason, and made all this happen in a reasonably short period of time. Uh, Kurt, Nathan Anderson was our uh, uh, corporate attorney. They were able to come up with an agreement uh, in a very uh, easy, short time. And, and I'm sure Kurt will give a report, and you will, Jason, at the regular senior meeting in Reno here in July. But that, uh, that took leadership. I'm extremely proud of Kurt on that. And uh, many other things you young men, Jason, on the board are doing today, Jack Culpepper and, and to name one and some of the other, uh, Dallas Smith. Oh, you got some great people on that, on that board today. Oh, all the other men too, Merritt Compton, all these men, past president Jimmy Willems. You've got great people, businessmen that are on the board today where uh, in the old days, I don't believe we would have had the management accumulate to do the things that this board and this president, Kurt Ebers, is doing. There's definitely a lot of good positive momentum right now for the club. We're, yeah, we're yeah there, there is. That's correct. That's correct. You've got... You know, Reno is coming up. We're just a couple of months from Reno. And, man, I'll tell you what, people are excited about that. The oh, I, anniversary is going to be a big, big time. I think that location. I, I want to also that John Gardner is on the board that was involved in this move. John is a leader on that board. Uh, uh, For sure. Uh, uh, Ricky is, is, is a, a great uh, a leader. We got, we've got, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody on the board, but we've got a board that are great contributors uh, on, on the board. And so uh, today's board. But yes, Reno, Reno. Well, I might ask you, do I understand that uh, that uh, John Gardner and, and, and Jason and the board are going to have a... Uh, uh, a Pope and Young Club Hall of Fame. Is that something new the board's going to be introducing at Reno? Is that correct or not? Yes, that's, that's actually something that came up and we had it put in place to occur for the convention last year in Virginia that, as, as we all know, got canceled due to COVID. And so we have moved that over this year, um, it's going to be on Friday night. We're going to have the first ever Pope and Young Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Will be Friday night in Reno. Well, that that's something new that you, young men, Jason and and Dale, and you're on uh, uh, an advisor to the board. So you all have brought that. Well, that's something new, and that will uh, uh, be a, a credit to this board. Is a, a new. 
uh, it, it, the new, uh, neat thing, I, I would think, I'm sure you'll have men like Bear and St. Charles. It'll, it'll be uh, recognized. It, it'll be a great uh, evening on Friday night. I think so. And I think it's 60 years. I think, you know what, that's about time to have a, a Well, it, it, it is. Well, see, that's just to give credit. Uh, you was talking about uh, why I'm so proud of Kurt. To, to give credit to Garner, who I think was one of the uh, role one of the leaders in this uh, uh, Hall of Young Club Hall of Fame uh, issue. Uh, we've got the young men that are, are forward thinking now, moving the Pope and Young Club into uh, a, a today's mode. Uh, I have a hunch. Uh, we needed an, in, an influx over the last eight or ten years of some new thinking, Jason, in the club. Uh, it was it was kind of I think got pretty. Uh, uh, oh, pretty, uh, stayed in a bunch of old conservative, uh, traditional guys that, and the club was just stagnant. Maybe it's a better word. And, uh, over the last eight or 10 years, well, I see the club really, uh, uh, really expanding and meeting the, uh, uh, the values of the 21st century as opposed to when Audrey and I and Asbel when we were on the board, we 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 just kind of ran the ship uh, and didn't and it didn't rock any boats. You guys are, are are rocking some boats and and getting some things done. By golly, we kind of held the well, status quo. Go ahead. You know, and it's we're really trying. I know I I get the privilege of working with the board as you know in the executive director position, and you know the one thing that you're always trying to balance. And this board is doing a very good job trying to, you know, capture the spirit of the organization. Because it's 60 years, you, that's a big history and you can't replace that. And so that's they're doing a really good job. You know, if, if you look at like the John Gardners and Kurt and, and some of these guys, they, they really want to capture the essence of who Pope and Young is and who we've been for 60 years with like the hall of fame and with the awards and some of those types of things while at the same time moving move us moving us into a position for the next 60 years you know that Open young was who we needed 60 years ago to get these seasons going and now um you know it might be a little bit different we're not abandoning our heritage or, or, or going 180 degrees but you know just just your course just a little bit so that we can be what Bohani needs for the next 60 years. That, that's, that's correct, Jason. Another word is appropriate, I think, to what this board, uh, I've been a businessman. I'm, I'm a, again, an engineer, a professional engineer. Corporations uh, uh, come onto the scene and then uh, uh, die and go away. The corporation, there's a word called sustainability. I think with this present board, you young men are developing a model for the Pope and Young Club that is sustainable for the next 60 years. It's not just going to uh, happen uh, per, per chance for the next 60 years. You've got to have a plan of su sustainability. That's the word. That's the key. Wise managers uh, provide that type of leadership. I see that on this board. You've got this young man, Benio. Uh, I forgot the name Brian's name. Brian, uh, he, yeah. he's he's a heck of a Pertito 
wonderful. I know Brian uh, pretty well. I've hunted with him in Sonora, Mexico for coos deer years ago when I first met him. And he's a leader because these men all ha- are, are owners, are, are executives and corporations. And that's what is needed today. You see what I'm saying? We didn't have that type of, bo- of directors and leadership in my day. Well, we had excellent men. Now, don't get me wrong, of character and knowledge. But today is a different world. It, it's a competitive world out there. We compete with all these other, the Elk Foundation, the, this foundation, the turkeys, the, the uh, quail guys, and, you know, uh, uh, the Rocky Mountain Elk, and et cetera, et cetera, for funds. So it, it's a, uh, uh, a competitive world for an outdoor a club such as the Pope and Young Club to be able to sustain itself economically and membership-wise. You know, these young people, uh, hell, they, they, they got their iPods or EPods or whatever in the hell they're called, and they, they go online. And why do they want to join the Pope and Young Club? You guys, Jason, have got a challenge to challenge these young people to become members. I realize, and I used to speak for 30 years to the associate membership. I always told them before I left, there might be four or five hundred people uh, in that associate meeting, maybe not. And I'd always tell them, I said, somewhere in this room, there may be only three or four of you, but somewhere in this room are the leaders uh, of this organization in the future. This It goes clear back to 75 when St. Charles appointed me and then clear to 2005, 30 years later. I'd always close I wanted those guys and ladies to think that somewhere in there, somebody's going to assume and need to assume the responsibility of leadership for this club. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I feel we, like you mentioned, um, you know, the board that we have now, they're, they're providing that leadership and they're, they're putting us on the right path to where we need to be not only this year, but next year. And, in five and ten years from now, and, and the future, Jason, that's that is correct, correct. And it's not it's not easy. I know, um, you know, I know they take some hits for it too, because anytime there's change, there's going to be somebody opposed to it. And what I can what I can stand up in any room and look those folks in the eye and tell them is that the changes that are being made are unequivocally the very best route for the PNY. They're being, they're they're being made for the right reasons, which is is not always the case. But in this case, um, you know, the changes that we're seeing are definitely for the right reasons and for the, the betterment of the club. Well, the movement of the uh, as you would be the first to say, Jason, uh, the movement of the uh, museum uh, to uh, Bass Pro at Springfield, Missouri, was a a uh, very uh, uh, well thought out and emotional consideration by past board members and the present board. This didn't just happen overnight. But what's so wonderful about this? We've got, to, to my knowledge now, it's sole support of the Glen St. Charles family that that desired this moving of the museum to a place like Fast Pro, where you have literally hundreds of thousands of, of, of uh, people visiting the world wildlife down there and, and that area. Whereas I dare say in Chatfield, 
uh, off years, some years, we probably what, don't have 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 viewers of the museum. Down there, we will have tens of thousands, if not safe to say 100,000 people annually at times visiting the museum. And that's what the St. Charles family wanted uh, the St. Charles Museum to, uh, to, to, they supported it, wanted it to go forward with this decision of the board. Yeah, and I think you're entirely right. I think, you know, the traffic for something like this, it's entirely possible that we will have, if, if not a day, we will definitely have a week every year that sees as many visitors as what we would have in a year where we are. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There may be, you may almost shorten that up to a, a day, and there's going to be days in the summertime. You've got Branson, all of, and this, uh, if people haven't seen this world of wildlife that Johnny Morris has created down there, there's nothing like it in the world. Uh, if you're an outdoorsman, yeah. that is the equivalent of that, as you know, Jason and Dylan. There's nothing in the world. I've traveled quite a, uh, all over the world, and, and as far as our love of the outdoors hunting and specifically bow hunting, there's nothing that uh, uh, equals what uh, Bass Pro has created in Springfield, Missouri, period. It's, it's unparalleled, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's correct, yes. Well, well, I'll yeah. tell you what, Harv, it's, it, it is great for me to hear because, you know, I've been on about three years now, and it is great to hear from someone who was there when this whole thing started that that is excited about some of the direction that, that we're looking at in the future. So that, to me, says speaks volumes. Well, th thank you, Jason. and. Dylan, for having me today. Uh, I uh, am, am uh, totally comfortable with the leadership we have on this board, and men that are on that board will be board members tomorrow and presidents tomorrow as the years go by. And we have a vast pool of, of men uh, of the same uh, leadership ability that's on this board. They're just sitting out there. Uh, I hope they hear this podcast and will understand it's their responsibility somewhere in the future to run for board, to become a board member, to become knowledgeable, run for president, and 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 uh, carry this uh, dream of Glen St. Charles and that little band of brothers that he had there at Seattle in 58, 59, and carry that dream on into the future, young man. Absolutely. Well, well, Harv, one thing we have to ask on this podcast, we ask of all of our folks, what is one thing that you take with you on a, on a hunt that might be a, a non-traditional item that not everyone would think about having? Well, uh, I, I don't, I think Dylan and I have discussed this, uh, Dylan, the one thing, it's not a, a, a particular uh, item uh, that you're uh, an arrow or a, a, string, a tab or what have you. The one thing that that is the difference between a successful bow hunter is perseverance. There's nothing that that will carry you forward to success in bow hunting because of the tremendous limitations of the equipment that that we 
impose on our, willingly on ourselves, but you have to never give up. You have to be persistent. It's a 10 day hunt. Uh, on that ninth day, you have to be just as optimistic and persistent as you did on that first two or three days when you was all excited. Persistence, in my opinion, is the number one thing you can take into bow hunting. Not not a brand new bow or the world's best beautiful set of carbon arrows or the best broadhead. It's it's your own it's your own uh, uh, mindset, uh, uh, Jason. Well, you know what? Normally we make it something that you have to fit in your pack. But when you have a bow hunting legend and especially a Pope and Young founder on your podcast saying that perseverance is what they take with them, then you know what, Hard, we're going to accept that as a, as a good answer today. <laughs> well, that's just an old man's opinion. That's about all, all I'm capable of anymore. Although I I, uh, uh, I enjoy life, young man. And well, I, I hope that both of you and my son, Kurt, and, and his brothers, I hope they have as long and a beautiful uh, life as this old man you're talking to. Uh, I would encourage anybody that here, listens to this podcast just just to look forward to life. And, and I want every one of you to have the same uh, joy and experiences that, that this that Harveyvers had had. Uh, uh, I'll be 86 years old on June the 15th next month. And wow. life has been a, a absolute joy to me. So, and the Pope and Young Club, uh, besides my marriage to my beloved wife Judy, uh, the Pope and Young Club has been, and my sons have been my greatest joy. The Pope and Young Club has been right there at the top of, of my list of joys. Wow, Harv, that is fantastic. That's 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 a wonderful testament right there. And we're I'm so so excited to see you again coming up here in in Reno and and uh, celebrate. I'll be just after your birthday and and we'll celebrate the 60th 60th birthday for the PNY. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> I'll 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 have to. Uh, you guys will have to bake me a cake, but don't put all them damn candles on it. Just put one one old big candle on it. It'll be be enough. You know, we talked to the fire marshal, and I, I don't think we can put that many candles on legally. Oh, oh, can I? I, I don't know, Dylan. Are we about running out of time? But no, I've got no. one more, one more fun yeah. thing. I, can I pick on Dallas Smith? Absolutely. Okay. He deserves. He he deserves it. He's a big boy, so he can take it. Well, at the Omaha, uh, this is one of the most fun things I've had happen to me at the Omaha. A convention. Why I uh, when I when, 40 years ago, June and I were down in Old Mexico, and she bought me this nice brand leather jacket, like in St. Charles wore for years, with fringes on it and everything. So, so I'd had it, and as I got older, I said, Jude, it's a little too risque for me. I used to wear it one time at every convention, uh, and, and Clayton. Uh, Doug Clayton's got a jacket similar to it. And he wears his jacket. So Clayton and I, over the last 40 years, would break out our little uh, uh, leather uh, jackets. So anyway, uh, in Omaha, I said, Jude, I'm going to get rid of that damn thing. I'm going to donate it to the club, and at silent auction, somebody will give 50 or $75 for it. So make a long story short, 
And let's see, it was it was Tom Nelson's wife, and then I turned it into they Tom's wife, Beth Beth handled the silent auction, and I gave it to her to auction off. So I forgot all about it. So Friday night, she comes up to me. I'm sitting there at my chair, my table with Dorothy or whomever. Well, Dorothy wasn't there because he's deceased. But anyway, anyway, with uh, Ben Wallace and Carpenter and some of the guys. And she comes up and says, Hart, come back there. We want you to do something. So I go back there, and she puts that damn old jacket of mine on me and makes me walk up front to the auctioneer. I don't know if you all remember that. Dylan, you may not have been there in Omaha, but Jason, you may remember this. So they're going to auction. They, they decide to auction off that damn jacket. And that dumbass uh, Dallas Smith, uh, I thought maybe he'd bring four or $500. All of a sudden, the damn thing's 1500 3500 I knew a buddy of mine named Steve Keithley, a real big uh, donator to the club on buying hunts. He, he, he went up to 3500 Next thing I know, some damn fool bids and gets it for $5,000. And, and you know who that damn fool was? was Dallas Smith. I thought Dallas, oh, I uh, that dumbass Smith. You tell him I said that, uh, uh, Justin. I hope he listens to this podcast, the end of it. He don't have to listen to the front of it. But when I <laughs> give him all of these accolades, uh, any, uh, I told my wife, I said, if I thought I knew that damn jacket was worth $5,000, I'd have the damn thing in a vault at the bank, nevertheless. But I just had to bring, bring that up on old Dallas. Why? Uh, uh, no, no, said that. I got the biggest kick out of that. So, Anyway, that poor old jacket, uh, Jason, paid your salary for a couple of days anyway. With there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, Dallas is a really big supporter of the club in, in a lot of different ways. He puts his heart and soul into it, just like yes, a lot of them, so. Yes, he does. And he, Dallas Smith is a, a future leader of this club, too, young man. No today. question. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no question about it. Well, young man, so. Dylan, uh, uh, I'll... Uh, close down and let you young men close this deal out uh, it's been a joy for me to reminisce with you guys i don't i'm kind of an old loner here in missouri and i'm kind of a loner in my personal life and my poven young club life uh jason i i never uh was uh i always thought it was better to sit on the back of the bus like that way i can see what in the hell is going on if i sit up on the front seat why then uh then, then everybody can take a pot shot at me. If I sit on the back of the bus, I can, that's, that's kind of the way I run my life. And I'm sincere, young man, in the Pope and Young Club over the last 65 years. I, I, well, I, well, Harv, I, I'm just excited to have you today to get to visit with you. I'm kind of tired of Dylan bragging about getting shooting lessons from you. You know, and so, <laughs> uh, well, that, least, well, that least least Dylan can again. he can shoot. Uh, don't 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 take him lightly. I'll tell you that, Jason. You know, you saying that is going to cost me because he's going to bring that up to me probably <laughs> once a week. At least <laughs> That's all right, so, Dylan. You got to buy me a cup of coffee and a piece of pie, Dylan, at Reno for bragging on you. I certainly will. Now, <laughs> and you did it on recording so the world can hear it. That's right. Well, young man, I've enjoyed my, you made my afternoon. I've enjoyed it. I'm, I'm sure, Dylan, you're going to have to edit, edit a lot of my comments out of, out of this podcast, <laughs> but that, that's all right. I, uh, I need to, my wife always says uh, she needs to clean up after me. So, Dylan, you're in charge of cleaning up after Harv. You got uh, it. Today. You know, <laughs> 
we're not going to do a whole lot of cleanup on one of the founding members. So I think uh, we're good to go. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It was a, it was a pure pleasure. Well, you're welcome, young man. Bye. I'll see you at Reno. See you at Reno. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.